Moving Iron Podcast number 152. This week is a continuation from last week's conversation with Dirk Mitchell where we were discussing machine uh, categories and and how we'd lump those machines into uh, into different groups based on their age and hours and condition and so on and so forth. Um, this week my guest is Lou Bordone from Flint Equipment in southwest Georgia. I've gotten to know Lou over the past couple of years and he's a smart guy. He's really dialed into what's going on in the equipment market space, whether it's the trends or processes or, or anything like that, that that has to do with equipment. Uh, Lou's really, really kind of one of the guys I like to bounce stuff off of. So Lou and I sit down and we talk about the machine categories and also how that would better position yourself in the equipment um, marketing space like tractor house, machine repeat, fast line, so on and so forth. And how that conversation with that customer after you have that information out there is going to be more centered around um, the negotiation of buying that piece of equipment and not so much of, I have a blank slate here, tell me everything I need to know about this piece of equipment. So it was a great show. Enjoyed talking with Lou. He's always a uh, He's always got a ton of great ideas, and he's very passionate about what he does. So if you want to continue this conversation, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Today, my guest is uh, Lou Bardone, and uh, Lou is a good friend of mine. Uh, he works out at Flint Ag. Um, Claire out there in uh, on the eastern seaboard out there in Georgia. So, Lou, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Casey. Appreciate you having me back on, man. No, it's always a pleasure to get you on the on the old podcast, Lou. So, last week I talked a little bit about with Dirk Mitchell a little bit about some product segmentation and and what that looked like and and how we were going to lump those those used equipment products into a. Uh, into a, a clean, crisp, you know, classification as far as how things go, and and the reason I feel like that's important, and I'd love to get Lou's um, uh, response to this as well. Um, but the reason I find it to be important is I think it gives me uh, a little better presence on the internet because I'm I'm really explaining what the customers buying, right? So Lou. Kind of give me your idea of, well, first off, let's start like this. Give us a, a brief background on who you are, who Flint Ag is, what your area of operation is, and, and what the crops are that you grow in your area. Sure, absolutely. Um, so my name is Lou Bordoni. I'm a used equipment remarketing manager at uh, Flint Ag and Turf. So Flint Ag and Turf is, a, is an eight-store uh, uh, ag dealer in southwest Georgia. So, I mean, we cover... Uh, roughly 24 counties in that southwestern uh, corner of the state of Georgia. Um, so it's uh, geographically, it's a pretty small region, but uh, from an equipment and a product mix, you know, crop mix standpoint, it's a pretty busy part of the country. So uh, primarily, we're we're cotton and peanuts. You know, cotton and peanuts is is uh, uh, king down here. Um, we've also got a pretty significant uh, uh, pecan industry in um in our part of the state. Um, and then, you know, behind that would fall, 
you know, would, would come some, some corn, soybeans, some small grain, um, and then sprinkled in there some specialty crop, fruit, vegetable, uh, sod production. But again, the majority of what we focus on is, um, is, is cotton and peanuts down here. Very equipment intensive. Uh, we're also in a part of the country that's very dealer intensive. We've got several uh, other very strong um, uh, dealer groups um, in, our, in our part of the country, which also makes it a, a pretty interesting uh, 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 market, if you will. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So now, I'd I'd love to get your feedback on this as well. Um, but you know, last week we hit on a, a pretty high level talk about what we were doing as far as um, kind of theoretically. I mean, I don't have anything in place. I think a lot of folks are trying to get some stuff in place like this. Um, Dirk didn't have really have anything in place, but we were all kind of heading down the same road of of how do we. You know, manufacturers all have a a certified pre-owned program, right? I, don't, I really don't care who you are; they've got one. Um, what I'm trying to do with my certified pre-owned is is take it to that next level, and it's going to be the it's an experience to buy that piece of equipment, right? It's not just because it's got a one year old machine with 300 hours on. It. I mean, it's like the best possible machine that we could possibly give you to go out and operate on your farm. You're buying something that is a, a premium product, and because you're buying that premium product, you're going to get a premium um, support that goes along with that, I guess. So, so so talk to me a little bit about kind of your vision of that and what that looks like. Absolutely. I'd be glad to. And I, and I think you nailed it by the first thing you said. I think that, you know, talking to a lot of dealers, this is something we all are, are, are it's a direction we're all trying to head into. Obviously, it's no easy task, and uh, because there's a lot of lot of factors that go into it, and there are so many processes that are separate processes that that go into um, and, and buy in from all the different departments of, of our organizations that have to buy into that and participate in that pro- or that that result, that deliverable of a of a great product, a consistent product um, that a customer will feel comfortable in purchasing and our sales team will feel comfortable and confident in marketing. Um, and I think that's a big component of it as well. So, I mean, Flint has what we call the same thing that we're in the process of, of, of putting out there. We're kind of beta, beta testing right now, uh, you know, Flint pre-owned uh, certified program. So, I mean, that obviously targets our, our, our retail market, uh, our, our retail buyer. So it's going to be a local NAOR buyer, um, and I think a lot of it is the psychology behind it and understanding like what the expectations of that retail buyer are, you know, what their definition of work ready slash field ready may be. Um, and then what segment of equipment they are buying. So we know where to focus our energies on what equipment, you know, we are going to uh, certify, if you will. And um, so I think it all starts with trying to segment the equipment, you know, pre-trade. You know, making sure that we're bringing in what our retail customer is looking for, right? And um, so that that I think that's one of the biggest challenges is at the time when a salesman comes in and says, "Listen, I have this customer that wants to trade these pieces of equipment," and so we've got to work hard to look at that piece of equipment and see how it's going to fit into our retail model or our, our retail absorption, as as we say, and. Um, you know, once that's been determined, 
um, as far as what gets done next is pretty, is pretty, it's theoretically pretty straightforward. Um, I think our biggest challenge is the, is the consistency. So I'll give you the perfect example. You know, we've got kind of a roadmap, say it's a, a, a row crop tractor. You know, we determine it's a it's a it's a two year old eight hundred thousand hour uh, eight three seventy. I mean, you know, the perfect tractor for our part of the world that's going to be used as a, a primary tillage plant and tractor, et cetera. Um, you know, it's a one owner tractor. It's maybe still got some warranty on it. We'll take that tractor and um, obviously we'll we'll label it. We'll determine as soon as it's booked in that that's going to be a tractor that we're going to slate to be certified. <clears throat> And we've got steps A, B, C, D that we're going to do to that tractor. Um, regardless of whether it's going to be retail, sold or not, we, we strive to put all of our equipment in Machine Finder. Um, you know, so step number one, make sure to get good pictures of it. Make sure to get it, get it out there and show it for what it's worth is a premium piece of equipment. We're seeing more and more even local retail buyers, especially these younger guys, uh, they need maybe two miles down from the dealership, but they're still finding and looking at our equipment online, you know? So it's still critical to uh, have that equipment well-documented. After that, you know, we have a regiment as far as uh, reconditioning. You know, well, we start out with a, with, a, with, a, with a quality inspection. We go ahead and certify it to where if we want to, we, we do want to uh, put some warranty on it at the, at the point of sale, the tractor will already be certified. We'll pull, pull fluid samples, et cetera. Uh, we'll get a we'll get a a, a, um, a repair estimate uh, drafted on it. We'll load it on the profile of the machine, and you know we'll make decisions as far as you know what we're going to do. Uh, a baseline. We'll definitely service the tractor. We'll fix anything that's blatantly wrong, and then we step down into deciding. Um, then it, then it goes into determining, you know, what is that retail buyer's expectations? What do the tires look like? Are they sixty percent? Is that going to be acceptable to, the, to our retail buyer or not? If it's not, we consider some, you know, rewrapping some of this equipment. But um, again, I think it's all about when a, when, a, when a buyer contacts one of our guys and is looking for a piece of equipment, and when they come onto one of our lots and we pitch a piece of equipment to them, it's going to be exactly what they expect, and it's going to be, um, it's it, it's going to be good uh, something that they're going to feel confident about if they purchase that piece of equipment. Um, they'll take it to work and, and not look back. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, as far as the other departments, um, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. I mean, you know, we make sure that our that our service departments are aware of these pieces of equipment. They're they're doing the recon on them. So um, if anything goes wrong, they they go back that piece of equipment. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that 100%. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, that's what we're looking at doing. I mean, that 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 quote-unquote A machine or certified pre-owned, whatever, however you want to label it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a premium machine that's going to bring uh, a premium uh, performance to the customer, and 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 whether that's interaction with our parts and service program or whether that's you know us doing whatever it is that we're doing you know on on our end i mean there's a lot of things that play into that right now the other side of that the reason i think this is such an important aspect of the business the internet's not going anywhere right and and the the amount of equipment that's getting sold over the internet even if it's inside your AOR, I mean, I think if you went back and actually looked at the amount of equipment and you could trace how many customers went and looked at 
that might be two miles down the road from you or 25 miles away or whatever, you know, however far away they might be inside your area of responsibility. You'd be amazed how many of them didn't drive through the lot first but went to your internet site and took a look at what what you had to offer, right? So as that becomes more robust and as that becomes a, a bigger and more extravagant part of our of our selling um, cycle, you've got to step back and take a look at like, okay, so how am I going to have this conversation with this customer without me talking to him first, right? What am, what am I going to do that's going to... When he picks the phone up and calls me, there's like one or two questions he has to ask me that are so finite and so detailed that I would have never thought to put that into the mix, right? And it's something that only maybe the owner can answer, or it's something that, um, you know, it's kind of a financing question, or it's something along those lines, but that 80, 85% of the sale is already complete when he calls you, right? And that last 15% is just the... You know the simple negotiation, you know the art of the deal, or however you want to put it. It's that's what's left there. And right now, I don't know that there are a lot of dealerships out there that are actually doing that. Because you go look at people's websites and you, and and look at stuff on Machine Repeat or or Tractor House or or Fastline or wherever it's at, and it's pretty homogenous, right? There's not there's not a lot out there that's really separating that that 10 or 15% out from the rest of the of the group, right? Everything's kind of homogenous, I guess. I guess so. What are you doing to really separate yourself? I mean, because right now, used equipment, there's a ton of used equipment out there. I don't care if it's combines or cotton pickers or strippers or, or forge machines or whatever it is. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of everything out there right now. Um, Inventory is growing every month on on internet sites. So I guess as you take a look at what's happening out there, what are you doing? What are the some steps? What are the some of the steps you're taking to really be like Flint Ag is going to stand out in either my region or it's going to stand out in when I list stuff on on these various websites. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good question. So and and we and we and we talk about this constantly you know what can we do to set ourselves apart and and so first i'll 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 make a comment like you you know if if a customer calls you and they're starting to ask you 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 pretty much know by the by the caliber of questions that you're being asked how good of the job you've done at marketing that piece of oh yeah absolutely so you know what i'm saying and i mean and even and, and so um if you're getting questions that there's no way you could answer with you know, specific questions as far as um, that only a, a previous owner could answer, then you've done, you know, you've done a damn good job, you know? And um, so, so I think that's number one. If you're getting those, those level of questions, I, I think that you're doing, you're doing a, you're doing a pretty good job for yourself. Um, I think consistency has a lot to do with it. I, I, I think that, you know, we, we make, uh, we try as best we can to be very consistent. Because I think that, um, you know, I think when a buyer goes on your website, whether it be your, prof- you know, your, your site on MF Pro or Tractor House or, you know, whatever, and looks at your listings and starts looking at more than one piece of equipment, um, I don't care what anybody says. If they pick up on a, on a sense of consistency, it says something about you as an organization. 
And, um, and I'll be honest with you, as a buyer, as somebody that buys equipment from other dealerships, from other you know, resellers, from someone that buys a used, myself that may buy a, a used car online, you know, um, if you see consistency in somebody's organization, that says a lot about how that operation is, you know, is, is what kind of organization they are, you know? And um, so as far as what we're doing, um, again, I go back to um, you got to understand what the buyer is looking for. If you're going to go buy a pickup at a dealership in, in, other, in another state, you know, you're going to expect the piece, you know, the, the, the truck to be clean, the truck to be serviced. There not be any major mechanical issues with it. So, I mean, th- those are the basics that, that we try to obviously address. I mean, when I started this years and years ago, I remember we used to list equipment that was filthy, straight out of the field. Equipment that, you know, you saw a picture of a tractor that had a blatant oil leak off the side of it. I mean, you know, that that's just criminal. And I think in our industry nowadays, I think that's the exception rather than the rule for the majority of, of, of dealerships, you know. Um, now, I, I'll, I'll say there's some dealerships that are doing some, a really, really good job at this. You know, as far as consistency, as, as far as like really taking cues from the automotive industry. And, um, and you know, listen... There's industries out there that are doing really that, that are doing this really well, and we'd be crazy not to look at what they're doing. Because um, a lot of people are buying online, and there's standards for it now. I think we just have to follow suit. So um, I, I think that has uh, I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do: consistency uh, and 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 giving the customer what he expects to see. Totally agree with that. No, I think there's a uh, <clears throat> a tremendous amount of uh, What's the best way to put this? You know, I think there's a uh, <clears throat> there's still a, a bit of a um, what's the best way to put this? There, there's a there's a lot of folks out there right now that are that are taking a look at what they've done, and they're going to do it the exact same way no matter what, right? And those those are the folks that, like you said, <clears throat> show up with. Uh, you know, the machine's still in the field. You've had it in your inventory for six months, and it still shows a combine out there with corn stalks on the feeder house, right? You know, it's got the barn pictures or whatever on it. Now, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody else is. I got my own my own skeletons in the closet I got to clean out. But, you know, I mean, I still I'm going to sit here and pretend like I got it all figured out because I don't. But the, the long and short of everything that, that we're talking about here is, how do you get to that next level? How are you going to separate yourself from everybody else? And I think what you said there was was a very, very key thing is keeping that customer in mind and what they're going to want to see when they come see it, right? No matter how, how well uh, a customer takes care of a piece of equipment, it doesn't really matter. They want that machine to be a premium, well-taken-care-of piece of equipment when they come pick it up. Right, even if they're the guy that never puts in the shed, doesn't own a grease gun, whatever else, when they come pick it up, they want it to be a certain level of whatever, right? They want it to be significantly better than what they've got. And I think, I think, I got to think that there's part of that. Um, there's there's a lot of that out there right now where we're going to sit there and, and 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 try to cut corners and do whatever else that there is. But if you really want a machine to to portray itself as a premium machine, you have to tell a premium story about that piece of equipment. And I think that starts with 
the customer that traded it in, right? So getting that customer to come on and say, hey, you know what? I had this machine. You know, what's the first thing you do with this machine when you got it every morning? Like this combine or tractor, whatever it is. You go out to use it. What do you do? Well, the first thing I did was I did X, Y, and Z, you know? That's a story that people want to hear, right? And if you can tell that story and portray that story and people can step back and look at it and say, like, that's exactly what I'm looking for, right? Now, how many times have you had a customer say, hey, can I just get the phone number for the the guy that owned it beforehand? I want to ask him some questions, right? How many times do you get that on the phone? We, we, get it, we get it quite often. Right. So now, if that customer's telling that story and he hear, and he sees that, when he calls you, yeah, there might be a few specific questions, and he still might want to talk to the customer, but the customer, the conversation that you're having is no longer a, I need you to learn about this piece of equipment from A to Z, and, you know, I've got A to T, right? I just need to get the rest of the alphabet figured in there, right? i got seven or eight questions left for me to really drill down into. Man, all of a sudden, that conversation that you're having is, is a, you know what, I'm worried about financing. I'm worried about just a few little nuances about the machine, so on and so forth. But all of a sudden, you've painted this picture that I cust- that the, the buyer is going to sit back and go, like, I trust this machine. I trust where it came from. I trust everything that has to do with anything that's there. I really feel like I can move forward with this. Now I'm going to start talking about the negotiation of the of the of the deal, and I'm talking about financing. I'm talking about price. I'm talking about those different things that come in there. And oh, by the way, I'm probably willing to pay a little more for this one than I am for the other one that's just like it. No doubt, absolutely. I think you nailed it. And and you know that that's the huge part. I mean, you know, obviously we're a John Deere dealer. You know, and as far as tractors go, equipment, product lineup that we have. You know, at the end of the day, nine times, I mean, 10 times out of 10, I mean, there, there's not really, from a technical standpoint and from a, from an equipment specific standpoint, there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, you know, they know what they're buying. I mean, you know, we don't have that many, you know, product platforms that we run down here. I mean, you know, we may have seven or eight tractor platforms as far as large ag tractors that we we run primarily. So as far as what the tractor is going to do, it's pretty straightforward. Configurations are pretty consistent. Um, you know, we run into, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. I mean, we may have a tractor that's traded at the top end of our, our, our AOR that may be being considered by a, by a customer on the south side of our, our AOR and tell them the story of what that tractor did, it did and leading in with that and injecting, you know, knowledge of the operation, the previous owner, the, you know, uh, what kind of operations it did um, takes the conversation in a completely different direction. It all of a sudden makes it a, um, it, 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 it makes it more than just a tractor. It becomes something that you can see yourself in as a buyer, you know? And just like you said, I mean, you know, um, a lot of times I think that when you've got a, a a piece of equipment that you're maybe afraid of or a piece of equipment that you know has been abused, you know, you stay away from those conversations. Everybody knows that customer that doesn't take care of their equipment. They know the guys that park, park that you know, cotton picker straight out of the field and leave, you know, beer bottles in the cab, et cetera. You know, but guess what? You know, our guys now, 
that's fewer and far between. I mean, you know, our guys are, are rolling equipment so fast and we've drilled it into their heads so much about, you know, listen, if you want to be able to roll your fleets every two years, you got to take care of your stuff, you know? So um, we know their story and we, we lead with it even inside of the AOR. I mean, you know, and, uh, and that sells equipment after that, like you said, it's just about putting the deal together after that, you know? Um, so that there, there's no, and, and may I also add, outside of, of the area, I mean, you know, when we had a, you know, you know we, don't, we don't have a ton of combines down here, grain combines, but a couple of years ago, we had a, a huge surplus of them. We ended up moving a lot of combines, you know, outside of the area. And, um, and I noticed that that was the biggest thing that you could do to give people an assurance um, about a piece of equipment is to make sure you know the story of that combine and inject the story into the details that you're giving about that machine mechanically. And, um, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and as you, as you kind of, as you told, as you kind of talked to a little bit earlier and in, in what you're saying there, not all machines are created equal. Right. And I think that's where a lot of this kind of disconnect comes from when you start looking at this whole, this whole certified pre-owned thing, you know, you, just because a machine's got 500 hours on it and it's got it's one year old or two year old or it falls into a certain category, doesn't mean that it's a premium machine, right? There's so much more that goes into that. I mean, it's like when I look at a premium machine, I look at that that guy who's got that unit out there that um, you know still has the plastic on the seat or sets on a towel. He's got a towel over over the top of his of his uh, the seat he's on, and, and he puts a, a sheet of cardboard in there on the floorboard, and um, you know it, it, every zert gets greased before he gets started, even if he did it the day before. You know, I mean, there's just so many nuances that go into that. It's just it's the cream of the crop that just that's just so much above and beyond your normal machine and i think the easiest way to figure out what those machines are if you go back in your business system and you and you look at all the customers you have that trade every year or every two years or whatever it is and you start looking at the number of days that those machines lay in inventory before they get sold those machines are the ones that that take 45 days to sell and the only reason it takes 45 days to sell because it takes that long to process the paperwork and get the shop work done and everything else. It's not like it's just laying out there, hanging out, doing nothing. You know what I mean? It's it's just the, the shop process, getting the warranty work done, doing all the stuff, get the, get the oil samples done, go through the inspection process, so on and so forth. And there are not one, not two, but three different groups of people that buy those machines year in you're out. Those are your premium machines. Not not the machine that falls into a certain age or hour category, but those are ones and that's like a such a small, finite amount of your of your inventory, right? It's not it's maybe what, maybe ten percent of your inventory? I mean, you can probably count on, on both hands how many customers you have that, that are that that customer. You know what I mean? That 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 trade in guy. So talk about that a little bit and, and, and how are you incorporating that into your into your business? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I think every dealership has that guy. Those are a couple of those guys, and we've got them. I mean, you know, um, so I'll address this like two different ways. One is what we've got, and one is what we're trying to develop. Okay, so um, yeah, we've got a handful of those guys. You know, four or five customers like that. 
you know, they'll roll their roll their fleets every, you know, say on average two years. And um, like you said, I mean that that equipment is sold before it hits the yards. Normally, the 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 the, the biggest factor is when is the new going to hit the ground to where we can go ahead and get the get the trades in, and we've already got the customers lined up for them. You know, and um, and and I think that that's you know that that's like old news. I mean, you know, we know that's coming in. We know these guys take care of their equipment, and um, and we've already got the customer identified to put those trackers in. You know, uh, put those trackers on. You know, um, <clears throat> I think that the challenge is that you know trying to figure out you know who you're going to put in those tractors and what their operations look like in order to figure out who those tractors get rolled into two years later and trying to instill, you know, they, they reap the benefits from somebody from a, from a, from an, uh, a your customer taking uh, care of their equipment. So you try to instill in them, Hey, listen, you know, you like buying this premium tractor, you know, every two years, you like being able to kind of riding the coattails of this big mud customer, you know, well, Let's try to figure out what we can do to help you, you know, do postseason inspections, you know, even when you're not trading. Try to make it to where when that is a four-year-old tractor and you're taking it to the second tier, you know, you're 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 also able to offer a premium product. I think that's the challenge that we've got. Um, you know, because again, I mean, we've we don't have a huge problem selling that, you know. 800 to 1200 hour tractor i think the issue is you know when when that 3000 hour tractor comes in where do we go with that and what condition is that tractor going to be in what uh skeletons in the closet are we going to find what kind of and what are we willing to do to that piece of equipment to to, to resell it and um and a lot of times you know the tractors hit the yard and we're already thinking man wholesale you're you know but that's our fault that because our fault because we're putting an emphasis on selling the story and putting all this effort into the the first trade um i think that's already worked itself out i mean you know i i i think that the where there's room to grow and and we need to remember that that second tier local buyer is still a retail buyer and that guy also has expectations, and that guy also maybe has a smaller budget. But damn it, that guy also wants a, a, a tractor that when he comes to look at it, it's a clean and it's serviced. And maybe you you've already figured out what sort of aftermarket warranty offerings you can give him. And um, we can't forget that guy, you know, because that's that's what's gotten us in trouble is 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 forgetting about the second trip. Yep, and, and I'll tell you one thing about that guy that's buying that that first generation trade in. <clears throat> the machine he's trading in the reason he wants that piece of equipment that that super nice like premium quality machine and he's willing to pay for it right he's lined up every year to pay for it doesn't matter what it costs he's buying it right what he's doing his trade-in is also a premium trade too he takes care of his trade-in you know he's the one he's the guy that takes that he's trading every two to three years you know every maybe five years or something like that every three to five years something along those lines but whatever he gets it's like it goes to the winter service program right everything gets fixed all it's serviced at or before regularly scheduled intervals i mean this might be the guy that's like i'm coming in 
Every year I want the engine oil changed. I want the hydraulic oil changed. I don't care about hours. I just want it done every year, right? Well, he might not put enough hours on it to ever change the hydraulic oil, right? But he changed it four or five times in that year. And there were four or five times in the time he owned it, right? I mean, those those are the customers even. So that, that kind of goes back to that again. Like, you don't, it might not fall into your, your certified pre-owned program, but that's still, again, you can go back in and do the research in your business system. That customer's trade-ins don't last very long. That 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 sec that third guy, that, that guy that's looking for that every five to seven, maybe ten years I'm gonna trade my combine in or my tractor in or whatever it is that he's buying, he buys this guy's machine because that's what he can afford, but it's also high quality equipment. Again, he's willing to pay for he pay whatever price you put on it. He wants that machine, not that machine over there, not the other machine over there. He wants that machine, and he's going to make sure he gets that machine. And <clears throat> his trade cycle is based on when this guy's trading it in. You know what I mean? And every other trade cycle, he's probably buying that, that piece of equipment. And that's that's the kind of stuff where I think it's those little nuances that I feel like dealerships pass up and don't look over. I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else is. But... <clears throat> Understanding what that looks like and building your program around that, it's a bigger animal because that requires a lot of discipline to go into that, right? How do you tell a customer that's got a 500-hour machine <clears throat> or, or a, a sales guy, for that matter, that this machine's got 500 hours on it just like the other one does, but this machine with 500 hours on it is not a premium certified pre-owned unit, but that one is. And it's the conversation that you start having of like, well, it's the it's the structure of how they do things or whatever it is. You know, the amount of recon you got to put back in this unit over here compared to that one over there. I mean, all that's a reflection of where it came from, and and how it's taken care of. Not necessarily the customer per se, but how the machine's been taken care of and what shape the machine's in when you get it back. I think that's the kind of misnomer when you start doing that and trying to grow that. So, I mean, I guess what kind of conversations have you had to, to kind of combat that? Well, I, I mean, two, two things real quick. I, I, I think that, I think this is where we fall short, you know, um, I think that the room to grow is there, and and I think that uh, we're trying. We did it this year with with cotton pickers and, and and peanut pickers, where we were trying to really focus on that third buyer and look at him as a retail buyer. I mean, you know, and um, and I think that's where most dealerships have the most room to grow. I, I think the conversation, or I guess not the conversation, but the strategy starts with understanding your customer base and the, and the size of that customer base, you know, and understanding, you know, it, it's real easy to drill into like that, that first tier trade cycle. I mean, you know, the, 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 the first used buyer, um, that guy is not really that difficult to, to identify with, with just a little bit of digging into your, your sales histories and et cetera. Cause again, they're, they're normally on a cycle trying to identify the size of your of your second used buyer um, is, I think, where it all starts. Okay, so trying to figure because again, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be on the fence on that 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 second trading. You're gonna be on the fence on is this a tractor that we need to try to wholesale or do we need to try to put it back and try to retail it? And our what are our activities going to be based around? You know, what what's the remarketing strategy? And I think it has all to do with your 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 capacity to absorb that tractor in your in your AOR. So that's a lot of what we're working 
you know, is trying to identify how big that market is. Because obviously we don't want to spend a bunch of money on a tractor that we're going to end up wholesaling. So it starts with, with intelligence. And then the second part of your question is, um, you know, I don't know, maybe I look at things a little bit differently from, from other folks. And we've got some sales guys in our, in our group. We're, we're fortunate. We've got some really, really good guys that have been doing this for a long time. And they've got it down to an art. And I, and I kind of sit back and listen to them do their sales pitches sometimes with some of their customers and listen to the questions they ask, you know. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with asking questions and trying to understand what, like, understand that expectation, right? And and I try to do it. I try to ask a guy that may be coming and maybe he doesn't have the butt, maybe he's buying that that basket picker, that hundred thousand dollar, you know, uh, uh basket uh, uh, uh picker because you know it's a hundred thousand dollar machine. He can't afford, he can't absorb that six hundred thousand dollar roller picker, but I, I still try to ask him you know, what he expects in that machine. You know, what is he what is he okay with doing when he gets home? You know, is he willing to uh, change spindles? Is he willing to service the machine himself? And so you try to create a profile for that buyer, you know, because it's different from your first tier buyer. I mean, the first tier buyer doesn't want to put a wrench on it. You know, the, the, the first tier buyer wants you to, to, I mean, chances are he may lay his eyes on it one time. He's going to put an operator on that tractor or that, that combine or that sprayer. But I mean, his expectation is it show up and it's ready to work. This other guy over here has a prototypical profile, which is completely different from this other guy. And um, in, in upping our game or improving our, our, our game as far as remarketing involves understanding every buyer all the way down to, I mean, we know our wholesale audience. I mean, we know what they expect, you know, but I think it's, I think it's that gap between the, the, the second used buyer down to that wholesaler, improving our, our operations and, and, and closing our mouth and opening our ears and trying to uh, understand that buyer a little bit better and what he expects. I think that's where we can make a tremendous difference in our operations. Um, so anyway, that's what I have there. Yeah, I mean, so I I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. So when I bracket these customers, when I'm looking at, <clears throat> I, I kind of put guys in, up into. I, I really look at machinery up to about ten years old, and then after ten years old, it, it's a completely different mindset, completely different buyer, right? I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a tractor combine. I don't give, really care what it is. It's just it's it's a different mindset past ten years, right? So <clears throat> when I look at that, I think the first generation buyer, the first generation used buyer, is a is a one to one to two year old machine, right? That's what he's looking to buy, right? The second guy, he's looking to buy something that's three to five years old. The third guy is something that's like probably six to seven or eight years old. And then that, that fourth guy is somewhere that's, you know, you're looking at eight to 10 and then you get to that fifth generation guy and he's a 10 plus, right? <clears throat> so when you really look at these customers and you start to really kind of look at their mindset and what they're doing is, the first generation used guy, you're you're exactly right. He wants to, he's spending three hundred fifty thousand bucks on something, right? I don't care if it's a combine, a tractor, a picker's probably close to what five hundred thousand bucks. You know, looking at some of these choppers and stuff like that. You know, you're looking at that half a million dollar range. He he, they're not looking to to turn wrenches, right? This this I'm giving you half a million bucks or. Three quarters of a million dollars, or or not three, or a quarter million dollars, some half a million bucks, something like that. The thing better go out and do what it's supposed to for the next two years, 
until I plan on trading in it again, right? Second guy, he's he's a hybrid of both. You know, he wants that first couple years he has it to run, but he expects in the in the uh, the the third, fourth, and fifth year, something like that, when he owns it, he's going to spend some money in the shop, right? That's kind of what that guy thinks. The third guy, that's in that six to ten, eight year old range, he's going to do most of the work himself, right? There's going to be some things, some diagnostics, some electrical things, those kind of things that he's going to take to the shop and figure out. But he's going to he's going to figure out most of the stuff on his own. And then when you get to that fourth buyer, that fifth buyer, and those are, they're doing everything themselves, right? Yeah, the things are Yeah, Absolutely. they're going to figure it out on their own. They're going to do whatever they got to do to make it work. And they got to jump across a wiring harness or whatever it is. They're going to figure it out on their own because they have to, right? They don't have the financial resources to to spend twenty grand in our shop, right? They're going to buy the parts. They're going to spend the, the ten grand on parts to fix the machine, and not the the, the ten plus the ten to, to fix it in our shop, right? That that kind of stuff. But you're, you're exactly right. So understanding what that that customer is looking for and how, and, but also it's how you price that machine. There's this there's this mindset when you look at machinery that you're going to price that everything's got to be just brand new again. Right. And most sales guys say, I think a lot of sales guys say that because it's the easiest thing to sell. Right. But on the other hand, that being said, a lot of sales guys have been led down this path of, well, this machine needs 30,000 bucks. Well, if I hear that, I'm a buyer in here. The machine needs $30,000. I'm like, this thing is a pile of crap. I don't want to buy that. I don't want to buy that at all. But, if it, yeah, the machine needs thirty thousand dollars, sometimes sometime in its next three years worth of work, right? But it does need ten thousand dollars right now, or twelve thousand dollars right now, or whatever the number is. And probably by the end of the harvest, it'll need another ten grand, right? Well, however you want to however you want to phrase that, that's a completely different mindset and a completely different conversation that you're going to have with that customer. When you when you bracket those things that way, and you know, God, God love our shops, right? They, they like to, they, 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 they point out things that are broken. That's what they're supposed to do, right? And they, or they, pro, they point out things that are going to break, exactly what they're supposed to do. It's that understanding between what those look like. Neither one, the shop's not bad. They're not trying to get over on the sales department, and the parts department's not trying to get over on the service department of sales. I mean, there's always this misnomer that somehow it's sales versus everybody else, and it's not that way. I think our sales guys don't ask enough questions when it comes to what the what the inspection is on these machines and what they look like. I think that's where our biggest disconnect is when you have finally had that conversation with the customer that the total work order is thirty grand, but my my factory trained technicians are saying that these these items need to be fixed before you go back in the field and these items will probably need to be fixed after you come out of the field after harvest that's a whole different conversation you have so what how how are you combating that how do, how do you how do you overcome that 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 overarching like uh this is the service part get back cuz it's not true that's not true at all right. no, it's no, no. it's a uh, it's just a miscommunication and not asking the right questions. Right, right. No, absolutely, Casey. And my God, I mean, we we grapple with this so much, and, and I think we're getting to the point now where we're getting better at this process, right? And um, again, I, I think it starts with trying to figure out 
what the buyer, who the buyer is going to be and what they're going to expect. And you can't blame the shop. And as a matter of fact, you don't want to blame the shop because what you want, the best, the best asset shop can provide us as salespeople is consistency. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I, I want, a. I don't, I mean, if I, if I put a track, you know, if, if, if if we take a cotton picker in a, in a say we take a 2012, 2013, um, you know, 7760 in a, in a shop and, um, you know, the, the, the pickers have basic, re, you know, maintenance recon every year, but it hasn't had any major mechanical um, uh, 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 items addressed. You know, when we trade that machine in and we do an inspection, I want to get everything back on that inspection report and i want it to be just as consistent and just as thorough as that inspection on that 2016 i think that where the 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 art comes in is having either you know eddie who's our used equipment manager or myself or 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 one of our sales guys look through that repair estimate and look at it from the reference of who the buyer is you know, and so if I've got a two thousand, if I've got a two-year-old CP six ninety, chances are we're just going to put green check marks next to pretty much every section of that of that inspect of that repair estimate, because again, the expectation of that buyer of a four of a four five hundred hour cotton picker is that it's essentially a, a, a brand new machine, right? Um, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, I mean, it, it, it it's a machine that's ready to go to work, and there's everything mechanical is going to be addressed and everywhere items going to be replaced and it's going to be serviced, et cetera. You get like one or two levels down, you know, and you start having to ask yourself, okay, um, my philosophy is on, on any piece of equipment that is say up to five years old, my expectation as a retail buyer would be that that piece of equipment have no major mechanical issues. Right? So, I mean, if there's anything, you know, drivetrain related, uh, anything electrical, anything, anything that's ever, that's going to throw up an error code, um, we're going to address before we even start talking about any uh, reconditioning as far as, say, spindles or, uh, or, or doffers or any, any wear items. Why? Because, you know, listen, changing out spindles on a cotton picker, I mean, you know, is very labor intensive and through a John Deere shop, it's very expensive. So that that second, third, fourth buyer, his expectation is that, listen, make sure everything mechanical is repaired, and then give me an estimate of what you tell of what you think this machine needs. It's going to need twelve spindles high in the front drums. It's going to need six high on the back, you know. And that guy can make a decision on whether, hey man, I can pay my my son, um, you know, to, ch- to change the spindles because it's just like labor intensive work you know but um again that is an estimate that i i, I would never break it down like that for a, a a first used buyer because i know that you know that he wants nothing to do with that he wants the machine ready to show up ready to go so i think it's, i think it's a thing where um you know um pricing has everything to do with it um you know, we put notes in equipment. So, I mean, you know, with, with, with any piece of equipment um, that has a, a lot of maintenance and, and very is very uh, reconditioning intensive, 
So be it a sprayer, be it a, a, a any harvesting equipment, um, we'll put in there. You know, this is the list price for the piece of equipment, and we're fact. You know, as part of that list price, you know, we're um, we're factoring in you know fifteen thousand dollars worth of reconditioning, and we go ahead and attach the repair estimate to that machine profile, to where when the salesman. Uh, opens that piece of equipment up in our operating system, he can click on a button, the repair estimate will come up, and he'll see of those of those sections, uh, this is mechanical, this is uh, wear items, and, um, and, and he can kind of uh, create his sales pitch around who his buyer is. Um, but I think it takes some coaching as well. We've got some guys that, I mean, that's like a fairly intuitive uh, process. We've got other guys that, you know, expect it to be like a process and expect it doesn't matter whether you're selling a two-year-old machine or a 10-year-old machine. There should just be a, a way that this is done. And, um, and, and we're trying to drill it. You know, we're, we're, trying to have, we're trying to make it to where our guys are thinking along the, along the same lines as, as we are as far uh, as, as inventory manager. Because, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure most of our sales guys aren't out there thinking about you know, our 8370 or our 8320 inventory as uh, is, is, is five different sets of equipment like I do or maybe as, as our used equipment manager does. Um, they're looking at it as we've got 22 8320s, you know. Um, but again, it, I think it's all about drilling, you know, making sure that our sales guys understand who they're selling to and we give them the, the, the tools to sell that however they, they, they think is the best to that buyer, yeah. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. No, like you said, I mean, you get to that third or fourth buyer down there. I mean, like you said, they're, they want to know, they want to make sure that it's operationally sound as far as engine and powertrain and those kind of things go. But they're, they're going to do a lot of work themselves. And those are the guys that you're almost selling that, that equipment as an as is basis. Here's a price, and then here's an a la carte menu of things that that we can fix for you. And yeah, but let me let me jump let me jump in real quick on that. Though. Okay, you know, but I still think, and, and I'm a huge believer in, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to sell a premium product, even outside of my dealership. I mean, I, I believe in John Deere, and I believe in the product that it's a very well engineered product, etc. So um, I think in, I think in the buying experience, like you said, should also be premium. So. Even if it is an as-is piece of equipment, I think that that second, third, fourth, fifth buyer still deserves a the the respect of a of of an inspection with the same level of integrity and detail that that first and second buyer. And I think that's where we can like a, I don't mean to pick a dead horse, but um, is is that's where we can really increase you know up our game you know i've seen so many pieces of equipment roll off these yards where i know the buyer's thinking oh man this thing's gonna you know um i had to buy this thing um as is and it's dirty and i'm gonna put a lot have to put a lot of work into it where it may that same piece of equipment may roll off another yard where that customer probably pay a little bit more for it but he's walking off that yard thinking oh it's a seven-year-old a piece of equipment, but I mean, I feel really comfortable with what I'm having, and I know exactly what I'm getting, you know, when it when it gets home. And the same goes for guys in Canada or out of country, etc. 
the biggest compliment a, a customer can give me is a piece of equipment is exactly what you told me it was going to be. Right. You know? No, no, I, I totally agree with that. And when I say as is, I mean, like, you know, the oil's been changed and it's been serviced and those kind of things have happened. But, you know, here, here's a list of, again, the same inspection process that, that our, our one- and two-year-old machines go through, right? So these are the the machine. These are the these are the you know components that have to be changed before it goes back to the field next year, or you know these are the these are after harvest. You're probably going to need to change these, and then these down here are, are more cosmetic or, or long term things to start thinking about. Maybe you know, hey, the augers are getting sharp, but you probably got a season or two left in them, right? Type of thing. That's that's what I'm talking about. So when that customer buys that, like you said, there is that I know what I'm buying. Right, I know how much I'm gonna have to spend. I know what I need to do, and it, and it's up to me to spend as much money or whatever I want on there. But the re- there's a reason why this combine's priced at 125 thousand bucks, and everything else around it's 150. Right, so uh, you because we know that you're the customer that's gonna fix most of that stuff on their own. Right, so we're gonna give you that opportunity, and then the, that becomes a negotiation point. Like so, now I personally think that these that third and fourth buyer. Those are the most profitable machines you can sell, not just because on the sales side, but on the parts and service side as well. I mean, you're really opening, you're opening that gate up. Just whether it's the the, the service side or just the parts side, or a combination of both. But the margins you're going to make on those are, are good, are better, and the the uh, overarching just product support that you come from those machines are overarching. I mean, it's just a big deal. And but you got to know what you're selling. Right, and I don't think that every time that we go out and sell these machines, we know what we got. And I, I feel like that's probably a stumbling block for a lot of places. So, yeah, like you said, you know, we can sit here and 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 beat this horse to death, like you talked about earlier. But it's a uh, it's a cultural thing you got to figure out. Well, let me let me say something real quick about that. And you you know, this has been a process, and it, and it goes without saying. Um, you know, like you said before, we're nowhere near having this nailed down now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking very, very idealistically, et cetera. And I mean, I, I think that we're a lot closer than we were a year ago and closer than we were two years ago, et cetera. But I think that what it, I, I think the, the most success we've had and where, when the success in this whole process really takes off is when um, you start reaping the benefits of it. You know, and, and that when the sales guys, you know, when you start putting some processes in place, whether it be branch specific, because it's it's really hard to do this across X number of, of, of branches and dealerships and, you know, trying to create consistency. You know, the, the best thing you can do is try to focus on, you know, in, in, in my, in my uh, opinion, you know, starting at one location that you think you're going to have a pretty good uh, chance of success, a shop that's got their stuff together, that's well, that's well, um, uh, manned and, and you got a good strong service manager um, that is going to have the ability to go out and take these uh, inspections seriously and uh, somebody that's got a pretty entrepreneurial spirit you know and that understands that hey listen uh, kind of the shotgun approach of you know if I'm taking these these inspections these pre-trade inspections seriously and I'm taking the time to uh, put together some very good consistent complete repair estimates well, shit, that means that I am increasing my chances of getting more future service work. You know, it's, it's a, it's an, it's a time investment, you know? And, um, and when, when all that happens and when you get that buy-in from that service manager and all of a sudden you've got your, your front, 
fence, you know, and you've got equipment lined up, it's clean, it's inspected, it's got the certified decal in the in the in the in the door, and um, and you've got a, one or two sales guys working out of that location and they start selling that inventory and having great experiences with their local customers. And I'm talking with a five or six year old tractor. Man, I tell you what, that will change the culture so quickly it'll make your head spin and you know that expectation will start catching and we've had it happen like with you know maybe two or three locations so far where like that that um the bar has been raised at a, at a given location and then a sales guy at another location will be like well damn you know they they got it going on over there you know why can't we do that and they create this pull-through environment of 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 how can i say quality you know, and um, and again, it's all driven by it's like it's like exercising, man. Nobody wants to exercise until they until they start seeing the payoff, and then it becomes easy. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing that you can do to change culture is to start small, make it you know be have it be controlled, and um, and our, the expectation is hopefully then it kind of takes off on its own. You know. Yep. No. No man, hey, good stuff, Lou. I mean, this is that we could we could talk for about. I could talk for this for twenty four hours, man. This is good stuff. But we've been going for almost an hour here, so I, I really think that that like you, I mean, I'm I'm closer today than I was uh, a year ago or two years ago in this concept and, and what this looks like and how that goes. And it's really like you said, you got to break it down and realize what you got, who you're dealing with, and and what you got to fix it, to fit in the into that that group. So. You know, Lou, it's always a pleasure to have you on here. And, uh, you know, buddy, uh, if folks wanted to reach out to you and pick your brain about some stuff, what's the best way to do that? <clears throat> so, Lou Bordoni, Flint Ag and Turf. You can get me at uh, uh, my mobile at 954-815-7981 or uh, lbordoni at flintequipco.com. Give me a call, bounce ideas, whatever you want. Right on, man. And what's the best, <laughs> what's the best place to go look up Flint Ag? Uh, flintequipco.com. Uh, it'll take you to our page. You know, we've got some construction dealerships and an engine company, but you can go in and, uh, and find our, 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 our ag stores there. Right on, man. Uh, flintequipco.com. All right, buddy. Well, you take care of yourself and I will see you in about <laughs> a little less than a month here in Nashville, bud. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me, Casey. All Good right. luck. You take care of yourself. Take it easy, brother. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving